Welcome to CPO Open Mic, the podcast series that brings you experts in procurement. Beeline CPO Mike Schiappa sits down with leaders all over the industry to chat about their areas of expertise, passions, and a lot more. Tune in to every episode each month by following Mike on LinkedIn and at Beeline BMS on Twitter. Hello, everyone. Mike Schiappa here, Chief Procurement Officer at Beeline, and welcome back to the podcast series, CPO Open Mic. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by Terrence Clark. He is the president and CEO of New York, New Jersey Minority Supplier Development Council. At the council, Terrence provides operational oversight and carries out full management and operational responsibilities for the council staff, including personnel, administration, work delegation, and performance evaluations. The New York and New Jersey Minority Supplier Development Council was established back in 1973, and it's a vital link between major corporations and minority business enterprises. Serving the New York and New Jersey region, the council is one of 23 regional affiliates of the National Minority Supplier Development Council. Over the course of his career, Terrence has served in a variety of leadership positions for community and economic development organizations over the past 25 plus years. Terrence, thank you for joining me and welcome to my podcast. Thank you and good morning. <laughs> really appreciate it. How's everything going? It's going great. How you been, man? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good, good. So talk to me a little bit about the council, man. You've been there for what, about eight years now? About eight years. As you mentioned, it's, you know, one of the 23 councils of the National Minority Supply Development Council. Our council is one of the larger ones. We have just a bit over 1,350 minority businesses that are connected with our council and certified through the council, along with 155 corporate members. And those corporate members are those businesses that have developed a supplier diversity program and are looking to diversify their supply chain. Our MBEs are as small as startups, and our largest MBE has sales of $11 billion. So it lets people know that minority businesses are not all small. They come in a variety of sizes and a variety of industries. And our particular account basically has clients that are every industry except retail. So we don't do grocery stores or restaurants or dry cleaners, but everything else you will see. And these are businesses that are looking for opportunities. And our organization was about the growth and development of minority-owned businesses. That's the big big thing here. These are businesses, we even call them minority, underrepresented, diverse, but they're businesses that have traditionally not been availed to opportunities within the private and the public sector to some extent and are looking to grow and develop because what we're looking for here is to hopefully do two things. Number one, to reduce the wealth gap. And number two, for those businesses that are looking to do this, to begin to develop generational wealth. It's extraordinarily important. And through the services that we provide, we work toward that. So it's not only certification of minority businesses, it's also the development of their business skills. And most importantly, networking opportunities, because if people do business with people, they know they like and they trust. And so we're in the relationship at getting people to know who our clients are and also getting our corporate members connected with these business owners. Yeah. So I, I've been part of the NMSTC and mm -hmm. 
for, for quite a long time. And my prior life at MetLife, we were extremely active and I know the model very well. It's, it's a beautiful model, works great. So you just went through a whole bunch of things. I like to unpack a few of them. So the way I think about the council, it's the corporate side and then it's the MBE side of the house. And I'm curious, just off the top of your head, what percentage of time is spent for you, like on the corporate side versus the MBE? Is it balanced or is it skewed one way or the other? It's probably more geared toward the MBE side. Yeah. And I would say it's probably 60, 40 because, you know, where we have a lot of minority businesses that are well-established and already have developed relationships and opportunities. We have a lot of them that are new to this and are trying to figure out how do I go about selling the product or service that I offer to these larger corporations? So you spend a lot of time connecting them. You spend a lot of time trying to enhance their business skills. There's three areas that I think are of the utmost importance, and those are management, marketing, and money. The three M's I call it. So how is the management of your company? How does it work? Is it proficient and effective? Have you identified a market? Are you able to penetrate that market? And the third thing is, how do you manage your money? What does your cash flow look like? Because in order to do business, you've got to have a strong cash flow situation because nobody's paying you any more than 30 days or 15 days. People pay in 60, 90, 120, and we won't go any further than that. So if you don't have a cash flow that's going to allow you to be able to sustain that weight, it's going to make it very difficult for the continued growth and development of your business. So we work toward getting people that kind of information they need to be able to do those types of things. Yeah. And the large corporations don't make that cash flow problem any easier, right? No, they don't. You know, <laughs> there, are, there, there are a few that have done, you know, some things and probably over the last couple of years to, you know, lessen the invoicing time, but by and large, it's 60 and above. And if you're in a position where you can't do that, it's going to be very hard to do business with these larger corporations. And for that matter, with anybody, because even smaller corporations and businesses are not paying people in 30 days. They may have to take larger companies or things of that nature, but you know, people are trying to extend it as long as possible. And you have to be able to withstand that period of time from a cash flow standpoint. Yeah, it's really interesting. Having been in that position on the corporate side, I can understand the payment flows, et cetera, but Corporations just need to step up and be more flexible. I certainly agree because if the goal is really to develop and grow these businesses and have them become more of a part of the U.S. economy, then you've got to be a little more flexible to allow them to have that opportunity to grow. And cash flow is extraordinarily important. I've said it before. Cash flow is king, queen, jack, and joker. <laughs> you know, so I mean, if you, so if you don't have it, your hand is probably not good. Yeah, exactly. You bring up goals, right? And this is one of the things I want to talk to you about. Obviously, on the MBE side, the MBEs get certified. They want to grow their business. They want to be more impactful in the community and drive revenue and do well for themselves and be good examples for other MBEs. On the corporate side, how many of these programs do you see in terms of goals? Like, so when you look at goals, they'll say there's some corporations that say, hey, we want to spend X amount of millions of dollars mm -hmm. over the course of the next year or two. Do you feel like the goals of these corporations are where they need to be, or are they kind of stagnant and, and maybe Maybe the economic conditions have slowed them down a little bit, but just give me some of your thoughts around that. Well, you know, I, I think that most of the goals are low, to be quite frank. Yeah. And, you know, most of them are probably under 10%. And one of the things that I care a lot about 
is the fact that they believe a lot of these minority businesses do not have the capacity to be able to do business with them. So they have to work harder to get them into their particular procurement system. And, you know, that really depends on which minority business you're talking about, because yes, smaller ones, yeah, you are going to have to do some work. You know, the average minority business probably has sales of under a million dollars, probably has, at least from the last business census that I saw, has less than 10 employees. So it's really, what is your commitment to doing this? For some people, this is part of their business plan. They want to diversify uh, their supply chain. They feel this is good for business, gives diversity of opinion, diversity of price, and the like. For some people, quite frankly, it looks good. Yeah. It looks good. And one of the things I think that came up, I thought was uh, very interesting is, like I said, we have 155 corporate members and I've been doing this now eight years. I've been doing this kind of work probably over 30, but we would get two or three new corporate members a year up until May of 2020. In May of 2020, that's when George Floyd was murdered. And all of a sudden we've got a lot more corporate members. You know, maybe people did not look at supplier diversity as something they should get into. And if they thought about diversity, they were probably thinking about workforce diversity versus supplier diversity. For others, you know, right at that point in time in May of 2020 and a few months after, there were a number of corporations made pronouncements about, you know, I want to invest X amount of money in Black-owned businesses or diverse businesses and the like. But it's great to say you've got to make the commitment to actually do it. Mm-hmm. And some have, and some frankly have not. It's been a good PR check the box. I can put this in my annual report. Yeah. That doesn't really help people. In fact, it probably hurts more than helps because it gives people that thought that something is getting ready to happen that's different when in reality it doesn't change. And because it doesn't change, you end up with a lot of folks that end up very frustrated. And I think one of the things that certainly needs to be done. And it's the only things that we try to do is you got to tell people the truth. Yeah. Just because you're a business owner, minority or not, everybody's not going to be in everybody's supply chain. There are certain standards, regulations, sizes, the like, and of course, products and services that each corporation purchases. And many times it's not something that you're providing that they don't have. You're providing something that may be a slight bit different than who's already in their supply chain. So it's not like most corporations are saying, gee, was I got 10,000 suppliers, next year I want 20. No, they probably want 10,000. There's what the right 10,000 is going to, you know, really help their business. And specifically for those businesses that are publicly traded, it's really all about stockholder value. People are not going to do business if it's going to lose them money. People are going to do business. When they think it's going to be something that's going to enhance stockholder value and enhance the operations of the company, I think a frank conversation would really help folks because it would really tell people, here's what we need you to look like and need you to be to do business with us. And then it's incumbent upon groups like mine and others to get people to that stage where they can do business, whether that's doing it as a tier one or a subcontractor, or doing it, teaming with another business to enhance your capabilities so that you can go after contract opportunities. I think that's, you know, one of the things that is missing. 
Yeah, it's really interesting, Taryn. There's there's so many points there. When you talk about the commitment from the corporate side of the house, I think it's all over the place. It's yes, commitment, right? Unfortunately, sometimes it is which way the wind's blowing, and some sort, mm-hmm. and sometimes tragic events trigger some of these things. And yes, they do put them into their annual reports, uh, check the box, and all that kind of stuff. But there are some some corporations that really try and and you know them as well as I do mm-hmm. that really try and move the dial there. And have good, solid goals. And I think another thing that you talked about is the supply base within the corporations. And unfortunately, most of the corporations don't have a good handle on their supply base. (laughs) They don't have a good understanding of the thousands, thousands of suppliers that they have performing some sort of activity for them. Right. Uh, You bring up an interesting point. And I wrote down mentoring as well, because I think that's another big piece of if the corporation has the commitment. You as the council can help do some of the networking and help provide some inroads and open doors to MBEs and getting them to think about who are the right suppliers to do the right work for them for whatever service or product that might be. I used to do some of the mentoring within my organization too. Do you still find that to be a good avenue to help some of these MBEs to get them in the door? It is extremely helpful because, you know, for the most part, a lot of these companies have not dealt with the company, say, of your size. So they don't really know, what do I need to look like and what do I need to do and how do I need to present myself? One of the areas that we found that's become very important, certainly over the last year, is so cybersecurity. Yeah, because if you're going to get somebody your corporate information, you want to know that they have a secure way of handling it and it's not going to be on the black web or on Facebook or, yeah. or, or Twitter or whatever. You want to make sure that that doesn't happen. So that's one part. You know, the second part is most smaller businesses really can't afford to pay for a management consultant. So any kind of mentoring that they can get from a corporate partner is extraordinarily important because it gives them an insight as to how this all works. And it also level sets expectation because what ends up happening a lot of times is somebody will say, okay, I went to this conference and I met whomever from what corporation. And I sent them an email the following week and I never heard back from them. And I sent them another one. And so I think that when you level set, hey, look, instead of sending people emails every week, you know, maybe the corporate person says, you know what? Every time you contact me, don't ask about a contract. Give me an update on how your business is doing and maybe some new products and services and clients you have. So this way you're persistent, but you're not annoying. (laughs) And I tell people all the time, you may be dealing with a company, but the reality is you're dealing with a person. And, you know, that goes back to when I said before that people do business with people they know, they like, and they trust. So we can put you in the ring and you could be an eyewitness to what's going on and what's available. But the person still got to like you and trust you to do business with you. People mm-hmm. generally do business with people they like and they trust. I mean, that's just kind of human nature. You generally don't do business with people you don't like <laughs> or you don't trust. Right. And so that takes time. And, and I think the mentoring helps because it talks about one thing other than just how do you do business with our corporation? How do you develop business relationships? Because we're all in the relationship business mm-hmm. and relationships business and person, generally don't take a week (laughs) or a month. It could take years. And that's where the level setting of somebody's expectations, because I sent you something today, which is October 17th, that all of a sudden you're going to say, gee whiz, 
November 17th. So, wait, where's the contract? And you're like, well, we, we don't really need your services right now. <laughs> and then he's going to call me back in December. Where's the contract? And that's where mentoring helps. So people understand how this all really works. And then you can determine if this is the right market for your business. Because not all businesses are in a position or have products or services that large companies need. Oh, yes. But it's those kinds of things, I think, that are very helpful. No, that's great. When you think about Terrence on the on the corporate side, you're talking to corporate leaders and they're trying to show the value proposition within their organization for doing more business with MBEs. Outside of just the spend and the revenue for MBEs, how do you message the economic impact? It's like the so what of all of this, right? So how would I portray that value proposition or message that internally to some of these CEOs, CFOs, et cetera? Well, I think, you know, one of the biggest things I always say is there are various ways to do things. And most CEOs, CFOs, CPOs, you know, are looking at what is the most cost-effective way to do something. Can I bring somebody to the table who maybe can do what we are doing now differently at a better cost? And that's one major thing about the supplier diversity. I think that's very important is that you will get somebody who can come to you, hopefully with something that maybe brings your business further along. I always talk to people in the C-suite about, you know, here's what we think these business owners can offer to you. A diversity of thought, diversity of products or services, and maybe a differentiator. And here's something that they offer and may offer to a specific market that maybe your current suppliers do not offer. And as the market changes in this country and it becomes more diverse. You need people who understand who your clients are, especially if you have a business that's consumer-based. And so that's the things that we talk about. I don't try to sell them on, oh, this person has the best mousetrap in town. I just say, well, this person may have a mousetrap that does something different than the 10 people you have that sell this. And they may be able to bring it to you in a manner that perhaps the new clients that you have can connect with. And I think that's probably one of the bigger things, that diversity of thought. And perhaps, you know, obviously everything goes at a price point. And if people can bring something to you at a better price point than what you have, mm. that's what people are interested in. And, and when I talk to people you know, who are in those positions, the first thing, they, they talk to me about four things. Number one, does this Medicaid cost? Two, is this going to enhance our revenue? Three, is it innovative? And what's different than what I already have? And that gets past the PR thing. And that's basically gets to the crux of we're trying to do stuff that enhances our bottom line. All of these people that we deal with are in for-profit businesses. So most people aren't doing this out of the goodness of their heart. They're doing this because they think they can make more money doing it. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's what you got to talk about. And that's what I talk about, you know, and I've always said about supplier diversity or any of these kinds of quote unquote programs. And if this is not part of your business plan, it's not going to work. These specialized programs last as long as whoever the chili is either still has his or her job or there's an appetite for it. But if it's specialized and that person leaves, usually the program goes with them. So this has to be something that is part of how your corporation does business and that you consider having a diverse supply chain, a benefit to your business. And, you know, if you're talking to people who are in the, in the C-suite, you know, it has to be a financial benefit. It can't just be, oh, gee whiz, this is nice. We can take pictures and put it in our annual report. 
No, they want to make sure that it's something that has a positive financial benefit that when they go to their board meetings, they can talk about this and say, as a result of enhancing, enlarging, diversifying our supply chain, our stock value has gone up or our bottom line figures have in, enhanced and increased. Other than that, if you go there and say, oh, this is a great thing and we did this because of you know, George Floyd and, and we aren't making any money, there may be somebody else at the next board meeting at AU. So, and I've had people tell me that. They said, look, you know, this all sounds great, but if it don't make me any money, how do I explain this to those people that sit on my board and my stock and shareholders? You know, how do I explain it? Well, you did a great thing, but we lost 25 million. Why are we doing this? Yeah. So it has to be a business case for it. And I think when, you know, what I talked about is what the business case is, especially if you have a corporation that is consumer facing, which most aren't. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, my experience with diverse suppliers has been pretty consistently across the board. They've been hungrier for the work. They do a better job. Mm -hmm. They're more innovative. They're more aggressive and they're just a pleasure to work with. And I've, I've got several examples of that because they're not complacent. Like they're always right. looking for better. And you say diversity of thought. I love diversity of thought. And they bring in new ideas. They bring in different innovative ideas that, that really move the dial. So right. that, that's been my experience. And for me, it's been fairly consistent. I mean, I can't, I, can, I can't even think of any that have flopped and they do differentiate. But I think there's a lot of corporations that look at diverse MBEs and they put them into these positions where they can't grow, right? They'll mm -hmm. just they'll just stick them into a little a little pocket and say, okay, here's your couple hundred thousand dollars of spend and go for it. That goes back to what you said about specialized versus is this really a program? Like are you really trying, is this right. part of the DNA of the corporation? Or is this just a specialized one-time deal. Let's just hit this number and then forget about it. So important. Yeah. No, I think it is because if it's a specialized program, then you get your media exposure. You know, you get to put stuff in writing and you're on television or social media saying, here's the things you do. And then you just hope it fades away. But yeah. if you honestly want to do this and you think that this is something that really enhances the value of your company, and not only just makes you a better corporate citizen, but also enables you to be able to do more business with more people in more places, then you have a program that's really going to work. What you also have to do is when it comes from the top, people underneath these people on the top will make sure it happens. I always say what gets done gets counted. And if somebody says, you have the option to work with these diverse businesses. Depending on who the person is, they may say, yeah, okay, that's great. I have to do this. They have the option to do it. And because, you know, at the same time, when you have these diverse programs, you got to change the mindset of a lot of people that work in these corporations because people have a viewpoint, rightly or wrongly, of what a diverse person is. Their viewpoint may be positive. Their viewpoint may not be positive. And as I said before, you're dealing with people. You're not dealing just with an organization. You're dealing with people. So if I really like you, I would do business with you. I don't like you. I really don't care what you sell. Yeah. I can figure out some way not to do business with you. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I go back to, we're still talking about the same thing 50 years mm -hmm. later. Yeah. So that tells me there's still a resistance to this. If there was not a resistance, we wouldn't be talking about the same thing, but we are because People can figure out a way if they want to do business with you, they can figure out a way to. If they don't want to do business with you, they can also figure out a way not to. 
Yeah. And that is the thing that most people really don't want to talk about. You have the programs because there is an inequity. And a lot of times the equity is based on what my viewpoints are about a certain type of person, whatever that is. They may be positive, they may be negative. And so one of the goals, I think, of any supply diversity program is to break down those barriers and to change that thinking. And you're not going to do that with everybody. You're just not. But you hope that you're able to make a dent and begin to get people the opportunity to open their mind to something that's different than what they've been doing maybe the whole course of their career. Yeah, I agree. I think it starts at the top, Terrence. I mean, a lot of these CEOs in C-suite, it's got to come from them. Unfortunately, the grassroots campaign for these types of things are not successful along with no. them, right? right. Actually, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen that quite a bit. And so when you give these other, when you give people within the organization options, unfortunately, they go to the comfortable options. Right? Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You, you do the things that you're most familiar with. Yeah. And you deal with the people that you're most familiar with. Exactly. You know, people always say, I love change, but most people don't like to be changed. They like to say, I love change. Oh, change is a great thing. Yeah. So it's not me personally. It's got to do the change and I'll be changed. <laughs> so let's think about the next few years ahead of us, right? I mean, there's still resistance. There's certainly some companies that are doing a nice job at this. I mean, clearly you got 155 corporate members, you got over 1300 MBEs. So there's a lot of good stuff going on here. Certainly with the economic conditions here, the cost of capital is going to be challenging, right? For the next few years. I know you've talked about capital being a big element of all of this, but what are your thoughts around the next couple of years? Are we looking at kind of status quo here, or do you foresee some further growth in MBEs? Like we're just crystal balls type stuff. Yeah. I think that the number of minority businesses continues to grow. There are more than 8 million minority businesses in this country, and that's going to continue to grow as a number of people continue to think that running and operating your own business is the best option for them to be able to express themselves and also to attain wealth. The question becomes, who do you sell your products and services to? And how open are people going to be to purchase products and services generally from somebody that doesn't look like them? That's one part of it. I think the second thing is, what is the political landscape going to look like over the next couple of years? I mean, you have a midterm election in, in the next 25 days, and you have a presidential election in two years. And depending upon who ends up in power, right, talks about just the kind of appetite the country may have for, do you continue to enhance diversity or do we decide, you know what, we've done this as great, let's stop. And what I'm hoping is that the continued enhancement of diverse opportunities for suppliers continues. But it's really going to be dependent upon whether the companies feel that this is something that is going to be bottom line important. And if they believe that it's bottom line important because the population of this country is changing and who you do business with has changed, then you will probably see a slow continued expansion of this. But if people feel that, you know what, we've done this, let's go back to the way we did business or who we did business with before, this could grind to a halt. That's really interesting. Do you think we're doing enough? Obviously, you know, within your organization, you're doing a tremendous amount. We have the NMSDC that's 
doing a ton of activity as well with the conferences and mm-hmm. various networking opportunities and what have you. But outside of that, is there enough activity? I don't want to talk about politics, but what about in the government? Is the government doing enough? Like, is there enough opportunity and networking opportunities that help the MBEs? I think major efforts have been made. Yeah, More efforts need to be made. But the one thing that's always been interesting and difficult, especially when you're talking about the public sector, is how do you get the information to people? I mean, mm. Most of these folks are really not good at information dissemination. So therefore, you may have these programs, you may have opportunities, but they may not be disseminated to a wide enough market. And it's really the message because you have to look at this as a way of doing business versus a set-aside. Because I think that whole thing, when you say set-aside, you have a whole set of people who say, okay, then I'm entitled to something. And then you have another set of people who say, Why are they getting something that I'm not? So I think messaging becomes very important and getting people to understand that this is not a set-aside. This is something that expands opportunities for more people to participate in the U.S. economy. I think if you message it that way and tell people what this is and what it's not, I think it's as important to tell people what it is you're trying to do and what is not being done. And I think if you do that, and the public sector does better messaging, and so does the private sector, then you'll have people who really benefit from this. But I think a lot of people come into this with a misconception of what this is. And when you have that misconception, that's where you get hard feelings. Because as I said, most of these businesses are very small. And for instance, with the federal, state, and local government, if you don't deep bundle or cut up some of these contracts, then a lot of these businesses are not in a position to take advantage of this. Yeah. That may be also true in the private sector. But in the private sector, I think one of the things that organizations like ours, it's incumbent upon us to make sure that when opportunities come up with large firms, that we make sure that these folks are as procurement ready as possible. And procurement ready means those three M's that I was talking about, that you have a solid management structure, you have a good marketing plan, and you are able to implement your marketing plan, and that you have a solid financial base. And certainly part of the solid financial base is cash flow. But it's also the ability to get affordable capital. You know, there's a lot of capital out here. How much of it is affordable for a small business owner? And that's a big thing. If my profit margin is 10% and I'm getting capital at 17%, I'm losing money. And so is that good capital? Same time, given the markets and the like, is how many organizations, whether they're public or private, are going to offer you capital at under 8%? given the fact that the prime rate continues to go up seemingly every month. So how are people going to do that? Yeah. And that is going to have a major effect on the growth and development of a lot of these smaller businesses and even mid-sized diverse owned businesses. How do you get capital that allows you to take on contract opportunities that's not going to negate the growth of your business? It's a wonderful thing to say, I got all these clients, but are you making any money? That's what allows you to continue to grow your business. If your margins are very small and you just have a beautiful client list, that's nice, but you're basically at sea level. Mm -hmm. To get the plane up in the air, you need to have a lot more revenue than expenses. And that's where capital and affordable capital become very key. Yeah, I think capital is certainly tough for everybody, (laughs) but more Mm -hmm. for the smaller companies. Exactly. I wanted to talk about the corporation side of the house a little bit more. There's going to be a lot of people that are listening to this from the corporate side as well. Get off the bench and do something. There's a great opportunity here to help MBEs out. 
we talked about the value proposition of NDEs, et cetera. But for those that are listening on the corporate side of the house, to really move the dial, what would you say to that? I think there's several things. Number one, you got to tell people what the opportunities are currently and what you see them being 12 to 18 months from now. Number two, how do you take advantage of these opportunities? What is it that your business needs to look like for you to be able to do business with us? And three, we actually are going to make a commitment to work with you. And it goes back like to that mentoring for those that aren't there yet. Are you going to make a commitment to help them get there? And the fourth, are you willing to be flexible in your payment terms? Because that's what's going to help these businesses develop and grow. Well, if we could do those four things, and I think the most important of those things really is telling people not only what's available, but what your business needs to look like to seriously do business with our organization. Because I think a lot of times people get the misconception that because you have a supplier diversity program, that everybody has an opportunity to do business with you. And that's not true. That's not true. There are certain companies in, that are in our network and probably in the network of others that do similar work that only do business with certain types and sizes of businesses from a revenue standpoint and also from a product and service standpoint. Well, people need to know that. So you don't stand there and waste your time talking to somebody who's just going to give you happy talk and has no intention of ever doing business with you ever putting you in their supply chain. So I think if people know that, hey, we do business with this size group of business owners too. Here's what we look at from your profile as to what you should look like. And if we're in an industry that's regulated, here's what the regulations are. And you got to be able to show us that you can fit with these regulations, or maybe we can mentor you and help you get to that point. The big thing for a lot of minority businesses is the whole issue of insurance, because a number of these contract opportunities, they're in charge costs with it. People need to know that up front. What's the insurance cost? How do I go about getting the insurance? Not, oh, I now I got the contract and oh, by the way, you need $6 billion in liability insurance. And I need that from you in the next 30 days. And you're sitting there going, okay, how do I do that? <laughs> if you knew that up front, that would give corporations more targeted MBEs. And it also would make MBEs know what corporations to target. Yep. That's a really good point. Well, I think that takes us to the end, Terrence. This has been quite an interesting conversation. I really appreciate your time. Again, you can count on me to continue to support your cause and the NMSTC and the New York, New Jersey Minority Council as well. Happy to help you in any way I possibly can. And over 8 million diverse businesses across the nation. There's a lot more we can do and there's yeah. certainly more that I can do and you and the rest of us can yeah. do. So first of all, Mike, thank you very much for the time. And the opportunity to appear, I really appreciate this. But I think working together, we can really enhance opportunities for many more people to help them grow and develop their businesses and become a larger part of the economic system in our country. But we all got to work together toward the same goal. And the goal is basically, let's do things that are really going to help these businesses grow and develop. Whether those are mentorship programs, information, sometimes you got to hear the word no. But it's better that happens than leading somebody down the path. And then all of a sudden they find out when they get to the end of the path, the door's closed. I hear you, man. I hear you. Thank you again, Terrence. I really appreciate it. And, You're quite uh, welcome. All right, man. We'll stay in touch. All right. Be sure to connect and follow me on LinkedIn and follow at Beeline BMS on Twitter to stay informed on upcoming episodes. And thank you all for listening. Be safe out there and have a great day. 
You've been listening to CPO Open Mic with Beeline CPO Mike Schiappa. Tune in to each episode every month by following Mike on LinkedIn.